All right, Kev. Today we've decided to do the 1978 Saints season, which was the season that you said was the first time they tried to be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if for, there was a, you'll, you'll see as we go through this, and like they were very close. They, they almost, this should have been or very easily could have been their first winning season versus playoff appearance. All of that should have happened this year. This was a very fun episode for me to research because this is before I was born. I was born in 81. Mm-hmm. So anything before 81, I mean, I have absolute zero knowledge of. And right. so these, a lot of these players and games and stuff, I just I never really knew what happened. So um, researching it was very fun for me. How much do you remember it? I mean, you were, what, 12 or 13? 12. How much do you like remember? I mean, I remember games. And as we talk, I don't remember every single game like I would like five years ago. I remember something of most of these games and 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 there's some games that really stick out i'm gonna have specific memories like the biggest game that we're going to talk about here i have a vivid memory of exactly what we ate for lunch who i called at halftime all that kind of stuff so i'm gonna have some specific memories but some of these you know i remember just a little bit of well as we tend to do with the podcast let's go back a couple of years let's kind of set the scene for how we got to 78 and what's going on with the Saints. Let's go back to 1976. The Saints fired head coach, their head coach, the third head coach in nine years when they let John North go after a 1-5 start in 1975. North coached the Saints from 73 to 75. He went 11-23 and during his time with the Saints. It was a 324 win percentage, which was the best in team history to that point. So from 67 to 75, in those nine seasons, they went through three head coaches in an interim, four coaches. They won 31 games. In those seasons. So the, the first few years for the Saints was yeah, just miserable. It was old school expansion franchises. That's what they did. Yes. Let's also remember in 1975, the Saints had just moved into the Superdome. Louisiana legislature had passed a bill on November 8th, 1966 to build the dome on 13 acres of land in the city's business district. After reaching an agreement to build the stadium, the NFL awarded the Saints to New Orleans and construction began on the Superdome in August 1971. It was completed by August of 1975. The Saints played their first game at the Superdome on September 28, 1975, a 21-0 shutout loss to the Bengals. What do you remember about the Saints moving into the Dome in 75? I, you know, went to some games at Tulane Stadium, and it seemed fun. But, I mean, you know, the Dome was like, you know, we had been to the Astrodome, so we had kind of something, and everyone told us, you know, the big thing was the Astrodome could fit inside the Superdome. It was so big. So that was kind of cool to hear. How much do you think the Superdome played into the the idea that we need to win? Like, we have this new stadium, this fancy new dome. We can't be doing this stuff that we've been doing for the last 10 years. Yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of that. It was just, I don't know. I, I think so. We were still so young in the whole idea of having a franchise. We just wanted to win and be good. And I, I don't know that all those put together. You know, the other thing about the Superdome in the early days, all everybody talked about was could someone kick it and hit that big screen in the middle, you know, the yeah. gondola or whatever they call it. You think about stuff, you know, that's right. the silly stuff people talked about. But, you know, I don't know. Like you said, I was 10, 11 years old. I wasn't thinking about all that. I just wanted to win games. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thought process in 1976 was that they would make a splash higher, and they did that. The Saints hired Hank Stram in 76, the longtime former coach of the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFL. The Chiefs won the AFL three times while Stram was there, the most in AFL history, including the 19, including in 1966 when the Chiefs played in Super Bowl one. They lost to the Packers in there, and he also won Super Bowl four with the Chiefs in 1969. They beat the Vikings. What do you remember about Hank Stram or anything? I mean, I know you were young. It was but. at it was at 
Tulane Stadium, that, that Super Bowl. And he was a highly respected coach. It was very exciting. Every time I think of Hank Stram, obviously they didn't have a lot of wins. But I think of him going back to, what I think is him going back to Kansas City and beating the Chiefs 27-17 and, them, and the Saints carrying them off on their shoulders. You know, you, yeah. you, that was a great moment. But around that, there wasn't a lot of winning, which is why they were 3-11 and the year before we get right. to 78. Right. Stram was innovative offensively with the Chiefs. He incorporated a moving pocket with Chiefs quarterback Lynn Dawson. He had the championship pedigree that you want. How much do you think similarities between Lynn Dawson and Archie Manning played into their thought process to hire Yeah, I mean, because Archie could certainly move. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no question there. You know, I guess you could say it's somewhat similar to the Ditka hire and that Ditka had had success and had won a Super Bowl in New Orleans, ironically. Right, right, right. Uh, But that was uh, many years before. I mean, this was only like seven years removed from that Super Bowl. This would, you know, the Ditka one was like 11 or 12 years after, so... I don't know. There was probably a lot of reason to think it was going to work, but it didn't. Well, Stram is definitely not successful in his two years with the Saints. The Saints go 4-10 and in 1976, but 1976 wasn't entirely Stram's fault. Archie sits the entire season out after discovering he had bicipital tendonitis in his right throwing shoulder. Right before the 76 Pro Bowl, Archie got a call from the NFL that Roger Staubach and Fran Tarkenton were not going to be in the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl was going to be played in the Superdome that year, so they wanted Archie to be the quarterback for the NFC. He picks up a ball, but he couldn't even throw the ball. The diagnosis was bicipital tendonitis. It took two operations and the entire 76 season to bring it back, and the NFC ends up getting Jim Hart from the Rams to quarterback the Pro Bowl. So Archie's out in 76. What do you remember about that Archie injury? Well, I just remember Douglas and Bobby Scott playing. I mean, you know, obviously it was heartbreaking anytime you, you lose your quarterback. And so um, those guys, Douglas had a few moments, but they, they weren't good. And then um, kind of all of that, as you say, kind of plays into the 78 season because by 78, their offense was kind of rolling and they did some they did some good things. Now, why? The offense wasn't rolling under Stram. I, I don't know. He had some good players. You know, they drafted Muncie and Galbraith. It wasn't like they had zero talent, but it just it just never worked. And like I've talked about it, you go back and look at in seventy seven is when they lost that game to the Buccaneers, that infamous loss. The Buccaneers had no wins in their first win was the 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 play calling was just atrocious. I mean, they were just I don't know. It's hard to explain how bad they could be, how bad they were, but they were when Stram was there. The reason why 76 is so significant for 78 is because they did have that great draft in 76 where they drafted Chuck Muncie third overall in the first round, and they drafted Tony Galbraith with the 32nd pick. That was a second-round pick. So back-to-back running backs, two very significant players moving forward to go to 78. Absolutely, they were. And um, You know, the thing about Hank is he ended up living – his the rest of his life in the New Orleans area. I don't know if it was Covington or yeah, somewhere, but I mean, North Shore. Yeah, he he lived. You know, it wasn't like it was just two years and then he, you know, he hated it. He lived the rest of his life here, so right. he obviously liked a lot of it. It just didn't have any success. In '77, Archie comes back. They have that game against the Bucks that you talked about, but Stram gets fired after '77. They win just seven total games in his two seasons, so they need a new head coach. Rumors had it the Saints were looking at George Allen who was a very successful coach with Washington. They were also looking at Sid Gilman, who was coaching the Bears. They ended up with Dick Nolan. Nolan was on staff with the Saints in 77 as the linebackers coach. He had previously served as the defensive coordinator with the Cowboys from 62 to 67, and he was head coach of the 49ers from 68 to 75. 
Nolan takes over in 78 after they fired Strand. What are you thinking about Nolan when they hire him in 78? He wasn't flamboyant at all. He was more like a Jim Mora type coach, just to the point, you know, not a lot of flash. He had come from the Cowboys, at least, at, which was a fancy franchise in, in, in its heyday at that time. So. Right. I think we had reasonable, reasonably high expectations. Plus, again, they, you know, they had these players that you said, man, it seems like these players are good. Mm-hmm. And they were. And so hopefully they could get something out of them. Let's start in 1978. Let's start with draft. The first round pick in the draft, the Saints take Wes Chandler, wide receiver from Florida. We've mentioned Chandler before. At this point in 1978, Chandler's like the most athletic player the Saints have ever had. How excited were you when they got Chandler? He was – I remember watching him at Florida, and he was a great player. And he was a great player. You know, he – they ended up trading him, you know, after the, you know, with the whole disastrous 1980 season. But but he he went to San Diego and was a star, just like Chuck. He, he was a bigger star than Chuck Muncie was. Mm-hmm. And they were both stars when they went to that fancy um, Eric Corriero offense in San Diego. No, he was legit. Like, he was one of the best. He was, no, he wasn't one. He was the best wide receiver the Saints ever drafted. That's what he was. Yeah. The Saints in that offseason also got a couple of players from the St. Louis Cardinals. The first one we're going to talk about is Ike Harris. He came over in 78. Harris had some pretty decent seasons with the Saints from 78 to 81. What do you remember about Ike Harris? Well, what I remember about Ike Harris is one of the early games of that 1980 season, he caught a touchdown pass. It looked like he beat the Dolphins, and they called his back on offensive pass interference, which was infuriating. But, but no, just kind of a big receiver, you know, just good big target receiver. I liked him. The other player they brought over from the Cardinals was Conrad Dobler. Dobler was thought by some to be the meanest man in football. He made the previous three Pro Bowls with the Cardinals in 75, 76, and 77. He played two seasons with the Saints in 78 and 79. How significant was bringing Dobler? Well, I think it brought, I I think it did bring a toughness to him. And, you know, in the 80s, they used to do these light beer commercials and he would do all where he was just this mean, bad guy. He was kind of like, Kyle Turley without the long blonde hair. You know, that's kind of what Dobler was. And he was a guy that was always pushing people off the pile and pulling, you know, and big, tough, rough guy. But sometimes it's good to have, you know, gives you like a mean streak. And how much, you know, it's hard to know how big an impact an offensive lineman had. But, you know, they, they had, they came really close to winning in 78, which we're about to talk about in 79. So it's, I think it, he had definitely had a positive influence. All right, well, let's get to the season opener in 1978. They play the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are, of course, really good in this era. We've mentioned that before. They've already been to four Super Bowls up to this point, and they had won the last six games against the Saints heading into the 78 opener. The Saints are 1-6 against the Vikings here as we lead into 78. So this issue you have with the Vikings, it goes oh, all yeah. the way back to the beginning. Oh, yeah, I hated the Minnesota Vikings. I've told this story many times, and that you know I was so ecstatic I remember watching this game I was so ecstatic you know you get a new coach and you're playing a team that I hated the most the Minnesota Vikings and I mean they had just played games against the Saints and just pummeled us and and in this game in that era the Saints didn't have a lot of great players but you could argue the first great player they had was Tommy Myers now some people would say maybe Derlin Moore but I he he was a little he was he was really good. Uh, Archie, you could debate maybe. Now they had some great players on those early teams, but they weren't great because of what they did with the Saints. They were great like Doug Atkins and Jim Taylor. They were great because of what they had done previously in their career. Right. But not with the Saints. But Tommy Myers is probably the first great Saint, and 
Every time I think of Tommy Mars, I think of this game. When I hear Tommy Mars' name come up, I think of, of what he did in this game to give this Saints a great victory. Now, there was so many great things about this victory. One of them is it was a new coach, so you're excited. The other thing is you're playing the Vikings, the team I hated the most. This was before the 49ers or the Cheaters. They were The Saints were playing them in this era, but nothing had really happened to kind of fuel that fire yet. And looking back all these years, when you when we get to the final score of this game, it, it's that magical number for the Saints. So there's a lot of things to like about this great victory. So the Vikings had more first downs and more yards than the Saints, but Fran Tarkenton throws four interceptions in the game, three of them went to Tommy Myers. One of them in the fourth quarter, Tommy Myers picked off Tarkenton. He runs 97 yards for a touchdown, and the Saints win 31-28. Think about how excited it was. <laughs> kind of was the feeling that it was. Remember when the Cajuns played Tulane in that New Orleans Bowl yeah. and Joe Montana's son, they picked him off and ran back for a touchdown? <laughs> you remember that? That was funny. <laughs> and that was, that was very similar. They were dolled out. This was just a great victory. What a great victory this was. And the key was, if, 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 if you look, and we're gonna you're going to see it a lot of the other games that we talked about when the Saints were really bad in previous episodes, and you're going to see it some here. Just a lot of turnovers in a lot of these games. A lot of turnovers. Like, offensive football was not nearly as efficient back then as it was then. So in this game, you know, Archie didn't throw any picks, and Tarkin threw four. That was literally the difference in the game. So the Saints are 1-0, and then they go through the next five-game stretch. There's five games here where the Saints lose four of the next five games, and now they're 2-4 and four heading into Week 7. So those five games, does anything stand out into what happened in any of those games? The Packers soundly beat them. Uh, they couldn't stop James Lofton. He had like three touchdowns against him. The Eagles were really good in this stretch. They were about to make the Super Bowl two years from now, and they were kind of molding and I think they just got beat up by two teams that were just better than them. Um, the one game that they won was against the Bengals, and they were probably fortunate to win that one because Ken Anderson, the starting quarterback, didn't even play in that game. You're right. I mean, they the, 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 there was a stretch here where they could have beat the Rams, but they didn't. And then they played the Cleveland Browns, and the Cleveland Browns just owned the Saints. Right. It's just unbelievable. We've talked about that many times. But, yeah, that was very upsetting because I remember that Bengals win – um, but these uh, you're like, oh, here we go again. Yeah, you know, it was it was just in the beginning of the Sean Payton era, they had a bad were getting off to slow starts. Even recently, you know, get off to slow starts, and here they 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 won that first game. But you're right, the next four or five games, they they were lucky to beat the Bengals on the road. Um, they could have beat the Rams, but they didn't. We were teetering on the edge here. You're right. It just sure seems like after you go one and zero, you got the new coach. Everything's so exciting. It does seem like the same old Saints as, as they used to say back then. It just yeah. seems like it'd be very deflating to be 2-4. and four The idea point. was they just do good enough to get your hopes up so they could crush them. And that's kind of what happened in those first couple games, first four or five weeks. You're correct. So the Saints are 2-4 and four heading into Week 7. In Week 7, they play the 49ers. This is, of course, Dick Nolan's former team. And the Niners are not really good in this era. They finished 2-14 uh, and 14 in 1978. Archie throws the ball only four times in this game against the 49ers. He goes two of four for 31 yards. The Saints get a touchdown in the first quarter from Mike Strong, the Hound. Strong played with the Saints from 75 to 80. What do you remember about the Hound? Oh, I remember he was a pretty good running back. He had a, he seemed like he had a, a one game. It wasn't this year, but it was one of these years where he had a good game at Cleveland when we still didn't win. You know, he was just a good backup running back. The other thing about this game is 
it was four, it was what five years after the '73, but uh, OJ Simpson was on this forty yes, team, and they and the Saints crushed him again. It's fun, kind of crushing the juice. <laughs> One of Archie's two completions goes to Ike Harris in the second quarter. Saints win the game fourteen to seven, so they they get it to three and four after this game. The following week, the Saints play the Rams. Now going into this game, the Rams were undefeated, and Manning throws a pass to Tony Galbraith with two twenty two to play in the game. For a 19-yard touchdown, the Saints take a 10-3 lead with 2.22 to play. The Rams drive and get the get the ball past midfield, but Ray Brown picks off Rams quarterback Pat Hayden. Brown's second interception of the day, and the Saints beat the Rams, giving the Rams their first loss of the season. And the, So the Saints are back to 500 after they play the Rams. And this is another example of what we're talking about where it was all turnovers. Like the Rams should have won the game. But they've had a bunch of turnovers. Saints were plus five in the turnover ratio and and still won. But, I mean, it also is the beginning of a, of a long decade after decade tradition of the underdog winning in this Saints-Ram because it's happened a lot over the last three or four decades. And that's one of the shining examples where the Saints weren't as good as the Rams, but they were able to beat them. So sitting at two and four, it's kind of looking like same old Saints, but then they win the next two games, and now they're at 500. So now now where's your head at? Where you're like, okay. Well, yeah, you're starting to get excited. You know, the Giants were not a good team either, but and that wasn't an exciting victory, but it was a victory. And again, I'm still that way. Right. That way. Back then, you were really that way. Like, you think I worried about that the 49ers weren't good? If you can get a win, you, you get it. No, they, they were very fortunate to win the two of the three games, and really, if—, if Tarkin and Dutton throw all those picks, you know, you could argue they sure. could have been 0-7 or 8 here. Definitely. But they were lucky to get the wins that they did. They had a solid win against the Giants, and then they started playing better football, and we're about to see that. Right. Uh, really, by the end of the year, they were a pretty good team. You know, who knows what it takes building a team. Sometimes it happens quickly, and sometimes it doesn't. And, and I don't know exactly what was going on defensively, but it seems like you know, offensively, they started uh, doing some good things around this next week here. In the Giants game, real quick, I wanted to mention the Giants did jump out to a 10 nothing uh, advantage. Archie leads them back. He throws two touchdowns to Henry Childs. Childs was really big in this 1978 season. What can you tell us about Henry Childs? Well, Henry was the first way above average receiving tight end that the Saints had. And, and this year, they, in the Pro Bowl, like he made the Pro Bowl, like he was... He was good. The Saints were pretty good offensive football team, pretty explosive, and he was a big reason. He wasn't overly fast or ginormous like a Jimmy Graham, but just a good receiving tight end. Uh, you know, I, I liked him. So after the Giants game, the Saints are five and four. Kevin, they have a winning record after starting two and four. Now they're five and four, so can make the playoffs again. I don't know. I guess it's hard to understand when you were when you were rooting for them in this era. All people ever did was make fun of them, you know. And so when there was life and you just wanted to have a winning season so bad, yeah, you just you just hoped and hoped and hoped, and you you always felt like in the back of your mind you always felt like they're gonna blow it because you're so conditioned. They're gonna blow it. They're gonna blow it. And that's one of the things that all those years later, I guess some Saints fans still have that in the Sean Payton, Drew Brees era. But I, I don't, I never, I lost that somewhere. I, I always kind of felt like we're going to win. Yeah. We're going to win it. You know, I, I, I kind of change. We kind of learned how to win a lot of those games. Right. But, but back in this era, for sure. Yeah. It was, man, you just felt like they were going to blow it some kind of way. 
So the Saints are 5-4, and four, and then they enter a brutal four-game stretch from Week 10 to 13, where the Saints go 0-4, two brutal losses to the Atlanta Falcons. we got to start with the game before that. Okay, let's start with the game before the Big Ben game. Huge. And I have definitely remembered that, you know, the Steelers are right in the middle of their, you know, their dominant, you know, four Super Bowl run dynasty, Bradshaw and Franco Harris and Jack Lambert and Ham and all, you know, the whole bunch, Lynn Swan, Rocky Blyer. There's some stats that you remember, at least in my mind, and I will always, I think the day, if I, if I lived to 90 years old, I'm going to remember that Archie threw for 344 yards against the Pittsburgh Steelers in that game. And there's a lot of reasons why that was significant. One, I was didn't really root for the Steelers, and you had a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon rooting for the Steelers. Bradshaw was from Louisiana, and Archie, you know, was quarterback. And, and I remember having arguments with all the, you know, the big fans who jumped on the Steelers bandwagon that if Archie played on the Steelers, and 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 Bradshaw played on the Saints, that we you would think that Archie was better than Bradshaw, and I still think that's very possible. Yeah, um, that if you that Archie was actually better than Bradshaw, Bradshaw just had played with a better team. It's kind of like the arguments we have today. And I was arguing that way back as a kid. It sure. just never, never was all that impressed with Bradshaw as an individual, but he, he fit in perfectly with that team. And so having made those arguments back then, going into this game, I mean, Archie's just cutting them up. Again, he threw for 344 yards at Pittsburgh in November and, and the steel curtain defense. And there was a scenario that happened at the end of that game that we're gonna that and I think is gonna play a huge role in the game that 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 we're about to talk about. That's one of the one of the most famous games in Saints history. The Saints are up fourteen to thirteen. They have the ball. I don't know the exact yard line, but right around the what I call no man's land, where it's too far to you cross the fifty, but it, it's really too far to kick. You have to kick a really long field goal, but you're so close you don't want to punt. You know, you just. You're right there around the 38, 40-yard line. It was somewhere right in there. And it was a fourth and short, and the Saints decided to punt, trusting the defense, which had, you know, was a, was a Super Bowl-caliber defense. And the Saints punted. The Steelers took the ball with, like, um, under two minutes to go and drove down the field, threw a, what was it, a 24-yard touchdown pass to Rocky Blyer. And they won, and they beat the Saints. And so it was like, man, Manning threw for well over 300 yards. They played a really good team on the road and played really well. They were just so close to winning that game. And and the thought was, man, if you could have just gone forward on that fourth down and gotten it, we would have won the game. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that was in his mind as we get to this to this next game with Atlanta. Sets us up for the, for the big bid game. So before the final play, kind of take us through what – what you remember about that game, what happened, and, and kind of lead us, lead us into that final. You know, you mentioned Henry Charles. I remember caught a touchdown pass early in that game. The Saints are up 17-3. to I remember, mom, I don't know why, mom made just homemade hamburgers for that game. And it was one of the games that I can remember, and I did this fairly often. I called my papa, and he would always tease me. You know, he was a Saints fan. But he would always say, oh, the Saints are a high school team. They, they, just, they look like a high school team. That, that's not a real team. Whenever everyone, you know, he was doing it to tease me because he knows how passionate I was about the Saints. So I, I vividly remember halftime in his game. And now I don't do this kind of, I try not to do this kind of stuff now that I'm older. But I was all fired up. We beaten the Falcons 17-3 to at the half. And 
we looking good. And so I call my papa. We don't look like a high school team today. We don't look like a high school team today. And of course, it kind of went downhill. But what happened in the game is they get that they're up 17 to 3. The, the, the Falcons score a touchdown and cut it 17 to 13 with 57 seconds to go. That's what it was. I wrote that down. They have to onside kick because they're still losing. They onside kick and the Saints recover it. At that time, you're like, we're going to win the game. We're going to win this game. Well, the Saints don't do a good job of running out the clock. And so it gets down to, they have 20-some seconds left on the clock, and they're on the about the same. No man's land. No man's land. And it's fourth and two. And they're up by four. In this other game, they're only about one the week before in Pittsburgh. They're up four. I mean, I don't know, but I'm thinking I'm, I can can just hear Dick Nolan and them, okay, as a staff saying, okay, what are we going to do here? Are we going to punt the ball, which they pro- should have done, should have just punted the football. Right. Okay. But they said, are we going to punt the football like we did last week in Pittsburgh, or are we going to go for it? Get the first down and the game's Win the over. Game. Win yeah. the game. Go for it, which is what fans kind of always want to do. Want to go for it. Go, go, go. Well, it was fourth and two. They ran Chuck. He didn't get any yards. So they stuffed him at the 43-yard line. So there's 19 seconds to go in the game. And at that point, you're like, oh, we're going to blow this thing. But, it, but still, there's 19 seconds. They have 57 yards to go. Yeah. So they throw a ball. It doesn't even get to the end zone. It gets hit, and they catch it at, like, the 15-yard line and run it in for a touchdown. They call it Big Ben because that was the name of the play, Big Ben. Yeah. And uh, and, and beat the Saints 20-17. to 17. It was just totally heartbreaking. It was Steve Barkowski was the quarterback. He passes it. It gets tipped in the air, and Alfred Jackson comes down with it, runs in the end zone. The Falcons win 20-17. to 17. So if there was sports talk radio in that era, which there was not, you know there would have been some fans – that previous week that have been drilling the Saints for not being aggressive enough, playing to lo- not to lose rather than playing to win, bashing the staff for not being... If you're going to beat a team like the Steelers, you got to go win it. You can't play scared and all that. You know that would have been part of that conversation. And so I still think to this day, that's why they did what they did because they had it had just happened to them, almost the exact same scenario the week before. And so they were trying to do something and they went 0 for 2. They lost both of them. Did you want to punt when you were watching the game? I, I don't. I, I seem like, you know, I guess you could say it's selective memory. I don't think I wanted to punt. And the reason why is they were throwing the ball so well that day. Like I said, Manning threw for 344 yards. And they weren't running the ball particularly well, but they were throwing it. Of course, it's still risky. You know, when you're on the road and you're not a t- your team that's never won anything and you're playing against arguably the greatest dynasty in football history. I mean, some people still are call it that, the right. greatest dynasty in football history, the Steelers, and at Pittsburgh. You know, but it was it was a game, had they won, it would have been such a great victory. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. And yet, they tried both ways, and it didn't work right. either time. Right. And so that next week, they went to Dallas, and Dallas was really good, too. They were, they were the defending Super Bowl champions that year, as yeah. I remember. Yes. They, and they just, that, you know, that was just a game. You're playing a team at Dallas who was really good, and you were coming off too hard. I mean, they had no chance. Like, if you're ever going to bet on a game, this is that. <laughs> this is like one of the games to bet on. The Saints had no chance to win that game. 
after that Cowboys game, they get back to the Falcons. The NFL game. did it again. You know, we still argue about that <laughs> right. to this day, how stupid it is right. to put two, to play a division team twice in a three-week period, and it was especially cruel this game. I have notes here that I watched of the of the most of the end of the f- fourth quarter. So how did we get to the fourth quarter where we're 30 seconds left and, and everything happened? What, how, did, how did the Saints get to where we are? Okay, so the Saints in the first game, they led the whole way until the end. But in this one, it was tied at seven. Once again, it was a tight end. This time it was Hardy, uh, the tight end, and, and not Charles. And it was a 71-yard touchdown pass. And But anyway, it gets down to the end, and the Saints have the same lead, 17-13. Very similar situation. Right. But not exactly. In this game, it was 7-7, 71-yard touchdown pass to Hardy, uh, one of the backup tight ends. And in that game, Henry Childs had three catches for 100 yards. So it was a huge tight end game for for, for the Saints. But anyway, the, the Falcons get a field goal with about three minutes to go. And then they stop the Saints. And then they get the ball back with 53 seconds. And they're down 17-13. Just very similar. Almost, it was 57 seconds to before it's just not even fair you know when you go back and relive this well in this one they had more timeouts so they just kind of as Hank Stram would say matriculated the ball down the field and just hit a couple passes here and hit a couple passes there well anyway it gets down to they're on the Saints 25 with 16 seconds to go they throw a pass in the end zone and it's intercepted by Ralph McGill and at the time you're thinking we finally won the game you know you, you go just elation but they call defensive pass interference. Give them the ball, I don't know, two-yard line, three, mm-hmm. whatever. They, they gave them the ball. They call defensive pass interference. And, and so with 10 seconds to go, they get the ball. They throw a touchdown pass to the tight end, Jim Mitchell. And they beat the Saints by the exact same heartbreaking score of 20-17. to 17. And it's like... There are a lot of people that don't like Atlanta because the Falcons because they came in about the same time. We we're in the same division, you know, and all of that. But this was the this two games in this three game stretch is the thing why so many people hated the Falcons because it was just total heartbreak. And and as it turns out, and we'll finish out the story here. But as it turns out, the Falcons in the Saints schedule records could have been reversed. Instead of the Saints going to the playoffs for the first time, because of these two wins, the Falcons went to the playoffs the first time and won. Right. And it was just, you just felt like I remember watching that game thinking that could be the Saints playing in this. <laughs> you know, it was just you, it was so close you could just touch it and yeah. it just didn't happen. The Falcons finished nine and seven that season. Like you said, they make the playoffs for the first time in their franchise history. The Saints win two of their final three games to finish seven and nine, the best record in team history up to that point. Any significant memories of those last, those final three games? Well, for, you know, again, you, you're talking about it was the Saints had never even won six games before, and they got to seven, and you felt like, man, we should have beat the Steelers, and man, we should have beat the Falcons twice. I mean, we could have won 10 games. I mean, it, without much of an imagination, could have right. won 10 games. And it just, of course, you know, if you go back and look, you say, well, you know, you could have, you won this game, which you easily could have lost it. But you're not thinking that as a fan at the time. And so, you know, they beat the 49ers, which was still fun to beat the 49ers. And then they beat a bad Buccaneer team. So it wasn't, the sad part was that four game stretch you're talking about was the best four games, well, not the Cowboys, three of the best four games that they had played all year probably. Mm-hmm. Those two losses 
and the loss to the Steelers were probably the three best games they played all year. And they just they just didn't win them. They you know they kind of lost them at the buzzer every game. And so it was good to at least finish out with an almost winning record. And of course Manning put up pretty good numbers, and they had guys in the Pro Bowl. And at that time, like when a Saints player makes a Pro Bowl, now I don't even care. But back then, it was still a novelty to have any kind of success on 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 a national level. Yeah. And so it was cool to see Myers and Muncie and and. Uh, Chandler and Archie in the Pro Bowl, right. you know, there was it was it was some success, but man, it was um, it was heartbreak. It re, you know this was a year, you know, the Saints had a lot of heartbreaking losses in '88 and '89, and we talked about those on previous. But this was the first year where the where you could the playoffs and a winning season were right there, the old snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, and that happened in that season. Overwhelming. Memory of '78 is the Big Ben game for you, or the Big Ben game and the and the Steeler game, and just it was the beginning of the again the outright hatred for Saints fans of, of the Falcons. It was the thing that really speeded up that process. But again, beating a team like the Steelers would have been unbelievable then. And like you said, they had a really good win against the Rams, who were undefeated at the time, and so they came close. Because remember, back then that's not as big a deal now, but back then it was very much a have and a have not. I mean, you either were a really good team or you were a really bad team. So to beat Super Bowl caliber teams like the Rams and the Vikings, and if they could have beat the Steelers, those would have been really extra special in that era and showed that progress at least was being made. You know, a couple of years from after that, they hit rock bottom again. But but for those two years, 78 and 79, they were a pretty good football team and at least could compete with some of the elite teams. Archie throws for 3,400 yards, 17 touchdowns. In 1978, he makes his first ever Pro Bowl. He also rushed for 200 yards. What do you, what do you think 78 meant for the, the perception of what Archie Manning was? Because for so long they said he was good, but he's never going to win. And now they're kind of on the uptick a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they, they were. And, and you know, again, it was probably, I don't know if it was statistically, but I think it was probably his best year with, in, of all his years in New Orleans. So he looked like a star quarterback. He looked like that that year. Of course, it helps having, again, Muncie was good and Chandler was good and Charles was good. You know, they had some good players and the defense played well at times and forced turnovers at times. Like They just could never put it all together. But again, if you go back and look at some of those losses, they just shouldn't have happened. I mean, I mean, looking back all these years, if he'd have punched the football, I don't see how they lose the game. But, of course, in that era, they might have blocked the punt and run it for yeah. You know, who knows? But, again, I understand why they did what they did. But, man, it was it was so crushing. You know, you, you go back to school that Monday, and it's just, you know, all your friends are just, just – the ones that just like to tease you, you know, right. they can just get you mad and just get under your skin so easily was disgusting we talked about Jim Mora's 1986 season that they finished seven and nine and then they went on to make the playoffs in 87 you having a similar feeling here with Dick Nolan's uh you know yeah y'all no it was there was a lot of and we'll get to 79 in a future podcast but there was a lot of excitement going into seven and nine like a lot I mean you know again we had first of all it really, for most fans it's more fun to be good on offense than it is on defense people like offense and the Saints had a good, a really good offense, an explosive offense. So, yeah, there was a ton of optimism going into 
1979. And then, of course, you know what the NFL did in 1979. I don't, but I want you to tell me when we do our 1979 episode. Okay, we'll, <laughs> we'll wait for that. It's unbelievable what they did. We'll probably do 79 next, kind of just go from 78 to 79. But I felt like the 78 season kind of stood alone as like the beginning of this era. And then we'll do 79 next. Yes, it was, again, it was the Saints' first attempt at being good. And they came oh so close, but it just didn't happen. Do you have fond memories of 78? Oh, yeah. Again, I'm not, I don't consider myself a sports elitist. It was fun to be good. It's fun to beat the Vikings. It was fun to almost beat the Steelers. It was fun to be that close to the playoffs. As a sports fan, I was like, oh, we're getting close and we're getting close. And just couldn't quite get there. 